2: It's way of mowing <laughs> Good man is lot of time Which direction we are going And that wrecked the El Camino It would have been DWI have reached a tipping point
1: good evening mr and mrs america and all the ships at sea it is time once again for the tipping point i am stephen platinum and i am joined as always by the venerable larry goodman how are you doing tonight larry
0: feeling especially venerable this evening let me tell you
1: it's a good time to feel venerable i tell you it's you know daylight savings time is is a bitch and uh it is so weird doing this show when it is bright sunlight outside and yet i'm you know dragging my kids to the bus stop in the morning in pitch blackness
2: pitch black yeah yeah
1: not a fan not a fan um well, of course, you know uh, Ron Bass, who um, was a guest here on Tipping Point, passed um, kind of week before last, and um, I saw the uh, on Raw they put up a they put up a picture of Ron Bass and had a had a you know a little they didn't do a tribute but they had a, the picture of Ron Bass and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that Tipping Point was kind of a, his last thing he did publicly. Um, Larry, did you have um, a, did you did you watch Ron Bass a great deal and that kind of thing?
0: Well, I saw Bass in two places. One mm-hmm. when I was in college in Iowa when he came. Then we talked about that a little bit on the show, and I asked him about Dutch Mantel when they came in as the Texas Outlaws. And of course, he was a very young man at that stage. And then um, when he teamed with Black Bart and came into. Um, uh, well, I guess it was Crockett at that point and yeah. wrestled in Georgia. I, I saw him some there too. So, yeah. Uh, um,
1: somebody sent me um, a thing from The Observer about Ron Bass. Um, you know, he's just one of these guys that had kind of this storied career where he wrestled a number of places. Uh, but I thought, I, I think most people would remember him just because of the, you know, the, just base, basically what the WWF was at that point. Most people probably would have um seen him in the WWF um so this is just like the last two or three paragraphs um it said when Florida was dying off um first they had talked about how he had had a run in Japan um with different tag team partners including as Stan Hansen's tag team partner in fact they were uh, IWGP champs at one point um, sort of trading the titles with uh, Jumbo, Saruta and Baba. I mean, it really doesn't get bigger than that, you know, um, but that Hansen had become Brody's regular partner uh, partners with Bruiser Brody. So Ron Bass was sort of the odd man out and uh, Florida was dying off. He had his final run from 87 to 89 in the WWF, his only time in that territory. He was used as a mid-card heel Big enough to have some steam But not charismatic enough to be a headliner He used a bullwhip that he called Miss Betsy And feuded with Junkyard Dog, Hillbilly Jim And Brutus Beefcake The Beefcake feud was likely the best remembered Because he bloodied him up with a spur on his boots Um, Beefcake returned They had a long series of matches Culminating in a hair versus hair On uh, December 7, 1988 In Tampa Which aired one month later As Saturday night's main event I remember that match and I remember being really <laughs> excited and rooting for Ron Bass. <laughs> <laughs> I hated hate Beefcake and hope yeah. to hope. Um, but Beefcake obviously won with the sleeper shaved Bass's head. Um, Bass figured the head shaving was the end of his run uh, was near, and he decided to get out. He was 40 years old uh, when they did that, and so he's 40 years old and basically more or less retired. I mean, he'd still do matches, but that was at the end of kind of his run as a full-time wrestler. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. Well, this is also interesting. Um, he had recently filmed a movie. I, I don't think we talked no. about that. Did we No. no. Um, he, he'd recently filmed a movie called silent times where he played a 1920s football coach and it's scheduled to, to be released uh, this year. So that's definitely one to keep – I mean, when when I read as a 1920s football coach and you look at Ron Bass's look, it's like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) – that's pretty great. So silent times, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that.
0: And talk about a tough son of a bitch. I mean, the way he died.
1: Yeah. Uh, have
0: Have you ever had an appendix attack?
1: no thank thank goodness I mean it's it supposed
0: was to the, be the most painful experience of my life was either that or an infected wisdom to it. It's close but um i would I would have to say the the appendix attack was the worst, the absolute worst, and to be able to tolerate that to the point that you don't seek treatment until it's you know ruptured, and you know your body's filling with the poison, oh my God.
1: The, uh yeah, in fact they say appendix stuff is in the top three uh most painful. You know what the other two are? <laughs> childbirth no. childbirth and being burned alive. Are three oh, well, okay. Worst, basically the three worst pains you can experience. So well, yeah, Ron Bass, tough guy. <laughs> one, one was enough for
0: me, you know, so yeah, I mean that's that's a tough guy. That's a tough guy.
1: Mm. Uh, I thought it was interesting to note that Meltzer in the um, Observer you know, I, I by the way uh, Meltzer catches a lot of flack from modern wrestling fans cuz they're idiots and um but undeniably if if you don't if you've never read Meltzer's um obituaries they oh. are, I think they are maybe my favorite thing to read that is wrestling related. He has, they they compiled some in two different books and they're all worth reading, but I, it really is, you know, I, I'm still old enough that I, I, I can't help but think to myself when a wrestler dies, like, oh my gosh, how much, <laughs> how many words is he going to get? How much space is he going to get in the Observer? You know, based on the size of a star, because those things are really amazing. Um, And even like Ron Bass is a guy that maybe a lot of people aren't that familiar with. But when you get sort of the breadth and scope of his career and who he worked with and all that kind of stuff, man, it really is a remarkable thing. And and he was so, uh, I mean, it's a cliche to say when I met him, he was easily... The most lucid, um, along with, you know, Fred Ottman and uh, who was was Tugboat and the Shockmaster and other things, and Brian Blair, they were the three guys that physically kind of had it together, mentally had it together, so for Ron Bass to die was a big, big surprise, Um, you know, very, very sad, very shocking um, and, of course, he was also he was part of a civil action suit against the WWE, so, I mean, I, I don't know how that kind of thing goes, but very sad, and, um, you know, at least he got, I hate to say this, this sounds so callous, but I'm glad he got a WWF run, such as it was, because I'm always thinking of the guys that didn't have anything to do with the WWF. And, um, what does that mean? Um, you know, as far as how you're remembered and, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the thing I learned from the interview with him is, I mean, I knew he was a lot of places, but then as he talked in the interview, there was hardly any territory he wasn't in. I mean, he, he just made the rounds. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. When you're a force of
1: genuine menace. And I I think Meltzer was very fair and correct in his assessment, which is he didn't have that thing that lets you be sort of a tippy top guy, but he definitely had an authentic look, especially for a heel, um, just sort of an authentic look, big, brutal kind of guy. And that's exactly the kind of guy that could work anywhere in wrestling. You do your, you know, you do your run of three to six months, uh, and then they write you out. And then there was always another place to go. And he's the kind of guy that you could team with, Stan Hansen in Japan. Uh, I, I mean, that would be a career maker for most people, right? <laughs> um, getting an IWGP run against argue, uh, well, inarguably, two of the five biggest. Stars in Japanese history, Jumbo Ceruto and Baba, and uh, pretty, pretty remarkable, uh, pretty amazing career. Um, Larry, where, what shows did you go to last
0: weekend? I went to one show only, and that was uh, Cornelia for uh, as it turned out, the final. Why we wrestle? Um, mm. As as that name, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're glad. To know is going away, and yes. uh, I, it, so that I guess Hardcore Hell will be kind of under both banners, but you know so the transition show to Anarchy. But uh, yes, anarchy yeah, yeah, I saw in, where it yet. said Anarchy
1: presents uh, on the one poster that I saw, but you know between. So you got NCW and you've got Anarchy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> very fitting, right? That <laughs> it's, uh, though, though it's named Anarchy, things have not been this stable and this good in a long time. I mean, I talked to a number of people who went to that show on Saturday. So the crowd was, um, I, I didn't read your report. Um, Yet, yeah, Larry But the crowd was I mean, because at one point And why we wrestle We were talking about crowds in the 50s, right? Yeah,
0: and now I, 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 put they, in the, I put in the report They they had 110 And that was five consecutive shows With crowds over 100 And from looking back In my reports I do not believe that's happened Since at least 2010 mm-hmm. Was the last time they, they did that well So, um. Yes, things have definitely changed, and they were over 100 again on Friday night for NCW.
1: I mean, kudos to, you know, Rick Michaels is, uh, I mean, is that guy bucking for promoter of the year already? Uh, It's a a remarkable story when you think about the the kind of the the major players involved there between Rick being the promoter, uh, Dan being the booker, and doing just an amazing job there. Uh, Obviously, Jeff G., Doing his thing and then The return of Danny only as A wrestler and The response that that got from the Crowd can you talk about that a little bit
0: Larry yeah and he, he Was he was moved by it it got a pop When they were in and, and you know It was only on the video screen that this was Showing uh, he, he, he did not come out live and so you know, it Got a pop when they when the hey chunkies reunion Was was shown on the big screen um, It got a response no Doubt so um, uh, I mean, yeah. that, that had
1: to be very heartening for him. Uh, of course, um, worst kept secret in indie wrestling was he, he was the owner of Why We Wrestle. And it was a hat that did not fit him very well at all. And I think that, you know, that response, one, it, it sort of affirms the fact that where he's supposed to be is part of the hate junkies. Um, You know, I think that that's a good it's a good spot for him for a million reasons, not the least of which is you have strict nine, who I mean, is is any guy more in his prime right now than strict nine is as far as just in ring and working for seemingly everybody and working big matches everywhere. I think it's it's a great spot all around. It's obviously a feel good thing. I mean, who isn't looking forward to a wild side reunion now? Um, I think all of that stuff, it just seems like it's just, you know, full speed ahead and the sails are out and their ship is going mighty
0: fast and mighty strong on Friday and Saturday night. Well, and we got a preview of the Wildside reunion with the complete surprise return of Scotty Wren to uh, <laughs> Cornelia after he had not been there. What did he say? I want to say 2006 was the last time he appeared there. So, and boom, he's the enforcer. The enforcer for, for uh, Jacob Ashworth. Gunnar Miller and Ashworth, yeah. And,
1: and Gunnar Miller. And, I mean, a genuine, uh, I'm sure you had this in your report, from what, everything I heard, a very genuine sort of heel response to Miller uh, because of, you know, you could, a testament really to the popularity of Jacob Ashworth. So that's also good news because I know that that's something that, Gunner Miller has to fight a lot just because he looks like the real deal and is the real deal. So in a lot of places they have a hard time booing him, but you know, Cornelia, definitely a full throated response, um, for Jacob Ashworth and all of that going on. So that's really good news.
0: Yeah. And and, and Miller has stepped up his character. Uh, it's, it's a stronger presence than he, than he'd had, you know, let's say six months ago. And, um, you know, they don't. There's nobody they love more than Ashworth in uh, Cornelia right now. So that's that's definitely yeah. another uh, some, something to look forward to. A lot to look forward to at this Hardcore Hell. It has the feel of the old Hardcore Hell. You've got you've got stuff at stakes, issues, and you've got gimmicks, and there's sure to be blood. So I mean, that's Hardcore Hell.
1: hmm uh, <laughs> Speaking of Hardcore Hell. You know what edition of Hardcore Hell this is going to be, Larry? 19. Number 19. 19. 19. Uh, That's so remarkable to me and noteworthy. Uh, 19. Obviously, Sacred Ground is is coming up on 8. Shindig's going to be at 4. It's this idea of sort of legacy and foundation. I, I was thinking of this as, I, I mean, we're going to talk about WWE and TNA. Uh, well, actually, let's talk about TNA. <laughs> um, did you, did you, have, did you happen to catch the last impact?
0: I did. It's just one of the more interesting ones in a long, long time without questions. Uh,
1: I will say interesting y- is the proper word because that's the Ooh. word that I use to describe friends, bands that I hate but I can't tell them I hate it. <laughs> right? i um, like... <laughs> and so, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you think of my band, Ookla the Mock, or whatever, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's interesting. I Like, it really was... I, I thought the way that they wrote out Maria and the Hardys was so painfully awful. Just awful. I suppose you could say they didn't really have a choice, but, man, and those promos by Dutch... And uh, I don't – Larry, can you speak on that a little bit? The promos by – now, Dutch I get, um, though I don't – what's the deal with talking about the WWE that well, much throughout the
0: show? That was my thing. You know, you open the show with all these shots of AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. And then constant references to various WWE things throughout the show. Now, that's a place that TNA has been before and did did them no favors why they would go back to all these WWE references. I I just didn't get that at all. That was the thing that bothered me the most about the show. Um, I, I, I didn't mind like Bruce Pritchard's promo. I kind of, I enjoyed that. Although, you know, he's certainly putting over his, you know, his own stuff. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I I think Bruce Pritchard's also, Overestimating who the hell knows who he is. Uh, I'm well, certainly, yeah, that's the
2: point. I, I,
1: I can't. You know, it's like I, the last time they saw him as was Brother Love. I, you know, it's funny that you say. You know, Scotty Wren hadn't been there since two thousand six. That's eleven years ago. Like time moves so quickly, as you know. And the older you get, the faster it moves. Brother Love literally has not been on television for thirty years.
2: <laughs> and
1: what for Bruce Pritchard I mean, late eighties, early nineties, right? <laughs> so, oh my god!
0: Yeah, yeah. The bro- I'm, what I'm, I mean? just, I'm just looking here. The Brother Love show ran from eighty eight to ninety one.
1: Okay, so, so, yeah. so yeah, 20, yeah, 27
0: years ago.
1: <laughs> so, oh, so for so for him, I, I mean, I thought it was a strange place for the promo. Again, it's. Uh, Anytime you try to have faith in TNA, man, they just make it so hard. They make it so hard. And for a while, they sort of lost the reputation of this is the pitiful, like, WWE cast-off show. They had done a good job of sort of shedding that. And that that was no small feat. And then, I mean, Alberto Del Rio, (laughs) you know, he comes in, he's the star, and uh oh, man what did you think of the um commentary interplay between Josh Matthews and um Jeremy Borash
0: well i mean i'm glad that you brought that up Uh I mean, yes there were i've read some references that there's legit heat with uh Matthews about the changes that are going on there it certainly looked that way to me. I mean, he played that part of it very well. That said, what the biggest problem I've had with that show, one of the biggest problems I've had with that show, is the announcing of Josh Matthews and Elijah Burke just makes me crazy and makes me want to turn off the sound on the show. And anything's got to be better than those two guys. So um, if they're, an, you know, I go ahead.
1: In an era... We're wrestling commentary, the worst that it's ever been. I'm just going to make that blanket statement. I think it's the worst it's ever been. They're the worst. And <laughs> that is no small feat because, I mean, I listen to Raw. I, I have to turn the sound off sometimes because it's, again, it's like, uh, it's, it's like months ago. I was saying this today it was like months ago that triple H in that sort of Vince McMahon way is kind of out of touch with what's going on in the world. And once in a while, he'll sort of get a touchstone to it. And then all of a sudden they need to do it. So my example is they have made a game of Thrones reference on raw every week for the past few months. <laughs> and it's almost like they've just discovered this show that's been around for six years. Right. It's just kind of like, they're like, well, you know, in our board meeting, we need to look at what's the competition. And it's television. So what's what's this Game of Thrones show? And so now they have to drop a reference every week. And those poor commentators, who I know have people in their ear, just going like, "They're make the Game of Thrones reference. So it's like, oh, it's like when Daenerys got the Unsullied. It, it's so lame. And I mean, if it's supposed to appeal to sort of geek culture, of course they think it's triply lame. And now the, they're, they're calling um, Seth Rollins has the new shirt, the King Slayer, which is a Game of Thrones thing. And it's, oh, I just, if you're trying hard to be cool, there's a great chance that you're not.
2: <laughs>
1: and I think, I don't, I don't know if TNA and WWE have ever been less cool as far as, you know, it's, they're the imitators, not the innovators, as Jake Roberts would have loved to say. And, um, but that, that's not to say everything is bad. I, you know, in TNA, um, though it's, what is it's impact now? And they, and they're get, they got the owl out of the logo, which is a good move. Um, <laughs> but man, I, you know, no Maria, it, Oof, that hurts. Um, that hurts a lot, especially if they've done this big face turn with Ally and all this stuff. And now she doesn't have an antagonist, except for Maria's lackeys. And it's that kind of stuff where I wonder if they're going to be able to, I mean, they'll they'll survive as long as they're willing to lose money. I'm just wondering if artistically they'll ever reach a place where they're sort of seen as their own thing again and not just like a, you know, a comedy of errors, which is what, that's the impression I got of the last two weeks was look how great we used to be. Anytime you're doing a show, I mean, WCW made this mistake. Groups in Georgia have made this mistake of going, we used to be great, we haven't been good, but we're going to be good again, stick around. Anytime you're playing that card, that's the beginning of the end. (laughs) When you basically acquiesce that you're no good. Um, I just don't see, I don't, and, and you would think guys like Dutch, uh, and Bruce Pritchard and stuff would know
0: better, but I guess time will tell. Yeah. I, I tend to think based on his past success that uh, Dutch will do something with the women. I'm, I'm hoping that he will. Um, and, you know, another rumor out there was that Jarrett had already approached Spike about getting impact back on Spike. Now if he can do that, that'd be the single best thing Jeff Jarrett could possibly do Yeah. for, 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 for impact or whatever the hell it's being called now would, would be that. Um, I don't know if that's really, you know, we, as we've discussed before, without that happening, the, uh, the pop TV platform ain't going to cut it.
1: No, so, no. Especially when you look at, I mean, I worry about everything. And so I look at like, what's their lead in, and what's the show afterwards. And, and none of it jibes with impact at all. Um, Spike certainly would be a better fit in that regard, though you got to think if they go crawling back to Spike, if the, if the contention was that Spike was only willing to keep them, but they just kept taking more and more money away. I don't imagine that will, that will be, you know, a dire situation financially, and they'll probably have to let, more people go before they can do anything, Um, which are, I mean, that appeals to me as a booker where I go, okay, you know, you can basically kind of hit the, you know, you can basically reboot, but TNA, I I don't know if I trust even Dutch, like Dutch Mantel is the analogy I use is this. (laughs) I think Dutch Mantel and people probably get mad at that, but, but whatever. Dutch Mantell is like a good interim head coach. Like he can keep the trains running on time. You know, he can stabilize them. Is he a guy that's going to bring a vision that's going to elevate that brand? I don't think so. I think he'll be competent, which is probably a step up in many ways. But – I and I don't – I mean, has Jeff Jarrett ever done anything? Like, and people are like, oh, it's so great. I'm like, Jeff Jarrett – like, Jeff Jarrett's influences are like Vince Russo, and I don't uh, – and oh, did you see the Reby Sky stuff, by the way, when Reby Sky not. got mad
0: at oh, – Oh, yeah. Oh, I, was heard of, I didn't it, read it, but I was – I understand she was quite upset about the way they were uh, – She's very upset. And I mean, she just, uh, boy,
1: she just went to town. I mean, describing, well, you know, now that the boys checks are going to be late again, like they've always been, you know, like (laughs) now now they're going to treat all the, you know, how many people were doing stuff for free that they treated terribly. And, and and she said, and she goes, like, Well, maybe if I'd seen Jeff Jarrett once where he wasn't rip roaring drunk, which is something that I had always oh. heard that him and Karen everywhere they went on the indie circuit global force yes. all of that he was always really, name. really wasted and uh I mean, and it explains you know it's it's why I feel we're kind of dumb about buying some gold from him, but you know <laughs> do what you gotta do a volatile market um. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: uh WrestleMania.
1: So hey, one more did thing I tell on, you on,
0: that... Yeah. Please. one more thing on TNA, I, I I do like that I I like bringing in El, uh Del Rio uh even though it's going to be a short-term thing. I thought he worked very well with Lashley and Yes, I it is it, was a good some, match. it is some star power for them. So I know it's not going to be a, I can't believe it's going to be a very long-term situation, but what if they can at least get finish the program without Del Rio uh, leaving, that would be wonderful.
1: I, I figured they hired Del Rio. So they would have a crack at page later. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if that happens, I, I, I mean, this is best case scenario, but Dutch is a guy who cares about the women's division. The women's division is one of the few bright spots that TNA clearly has. And, Uh, Right now, they have a great crop of sort of young female talent (laughs) and Cody Rhodes' wife. (laughs) Oh, God, she's the worst. But, I mean, between Jade, between, you know, uh, Rosemary, and the women I know here in Florida who I sort of hung out with recently and was talking to – TNA is looking to bring the women in for these sort of one night only pay-per-views and looking to sign more than a few of them. So, you, you know, I think that's all good news. Um, and with Maria well, being gone, with Maria being gone, I think they're going to kind of go away from sort of storyline stuff and have it more wrestling based, which, I mean, I could take her leave either way as long as it's well
0: done. Um. Speaking of Jade, she's out of there. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, n- not on not on bad terms is is what I understand, but she is not. Uh, good. She's no longer with TNA. Wow. Mm, it's oh man, all the
1: start stuff stuff. I, again, I don't I don't envy them. At the same time. I mean, they have a bunch of tapings coming up, and I'll definitely be sure to be at them and uh, tell you guys what's going on. Um, for WrestleMania week, it turns out I'm going to be at everything. I'm going to be at the Hall of Fame. I'm going to be at, you know, Fan Access, the NXT show, and WrestleMania, and then at least five other shows during the week, uh, up to and including Ring, Ring of Honor. So, I, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm curious, um, has Larry, in your opinion, and uh, let me let me let me already sort of couch the answer. Um, there's one promoter alone that's doing um, seven different shows around the week of WrestleMania. Ring of Honor is doing a show. Theirs will be in Lakeland, Florida, which is like an hour away from Orlando.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. I know, you know, there's other shows happening. Um, Atomic Wrestling is doing a show. Uh, has, because for for years, the WWE had sort of tried to fight other wrestling groups doing shows, kind of on the down low, right? They would, like, talk to venues and, like, don't do it and blah, blah, blah. But clearly in Florida, that that's not the case. I mean, everybody and their dog is running a show. Do you think that WrestleMania is still big enough? And Orlando is the spot. I mean, they get 66 million visitors a year, um, number one in the world. But do you think that the WrestleMania thing is enough to sustain and have success for all of these shows?
0: I do, because it is, it mm-hmm. is that big of a market. And I, I really don't see an issue with that. Uh, I think I think everybody will do well
1: you know in Atlanta um, when Wrestlemania was in Atlanta terrible Wrestlemania you know Dragon's Gate did two shows incredibly well attended Ring of Honor did shows incredibly well attended and top ticket prices hell we had a show the Thursday before at the Masquerade packed to the gills, I remember. Um, So I definitely see the appeal of doing a show WrestleMania week in the area. Um, And Florida definitely has the wrestling groups. Out of curiosity, Larry, um, you know, next year is at New Orleans, and you're definitely planning on attending that, as am I. I fucking love New Orleans. Um, Are there sustainable, are there feds
0: in Louisiana
1: that you know of?
0: Lou Cox. Is oh, runs, God, uh, right. r- he runs metro um, regularly down there? Um, so, but now, you know, not, I don't follow Louisiana wrestling obviously very closely, but he's the only one I'm aware of that runs uh, the New Orleans metro area on a regular basis. And but he does the, run there run, and runs su- mm-hmm. runs successfully there.
1: Right, he's just like Rodney Mack and Jazz and that kind of thing, right? So, because um, they're around there, I believe. So that will be interesting to see. Um, and Florida, of course, I mean, oh gosh, there's just a, a crap ton of things. The shows I'm most, in, the show I'm most interested in, like kind of on that indie level, is there's a, there's an all woman show that's not Shine and it's not Shimmer. So I think hmm. it's it's like it's the promoter that's putting on like seven different shows, just a crap ton of shows. And uh, the women, the all women show is part of that. So I'm, I'm definitely interested to see uh, what they do. There's also like sort of like a hardcore thing happening around then as well, like a blood and death yes. show. And so it's going to be interesting. Cause there's going to be, a, I think there's going to be, be a ton of people um, around. So I was, you know, I was trying to throw you off by saying all these shows, but I think you're right. I think, I think it can be sustained and uh it'll be and I'll be there to see if it is. So and I'll be at the Kevin Nash party. So that's exciting. That
0: it's going to be interesting <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um speaking of uh women, uh this yes. is a slight uh angle off to the side here on this, you know, slight left turn. What do you th- I'm trying to wrap my head around the way Bailey is being booked as we head into this WrestleMania, can you shed sure. any light on what the thought process would be behind doing this the way they're doing it? I am of, uh,
1: this is something that I fight about with people in wrestling that I talk to all the time. Um, we're of completely different minds on it. Other people contend that what they're doing makes sense, that they're sort of, Leveling the playing field and making it so you don't know who's going to win between this inevitable four-way thing that we're going to have with Nia Jax, um, you know, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Charlotte. And furthermore, that's why they needed Nia Jax to lose. So basically they've, they've leveled it off where nobody's got an advantage. And then that's the appeal is, well, anybody could win. (sighs) <sighs> Boring. I, I'm I uh, yes. I, again it's sort of this fifty fifty booking mentality that I don't understand. I don't understand why Nia Jax wasn't booked as this unstoppable monster. And if the premise is, well, because she's not good enough well then don't use her.
2: <laughs>
1: if if you're gonna use somebody, use them to their best ability. And and clearly her losing to a hobbled Sasha Banks, I don't I don't get any of it. Even Charlotte sort of turning on her lackey, Dana Brooke, and beating her up, which is supposed to generate heat on who? Like, it's one thing to dump your father, your beloved Hall of Fame elder statesman father. But to beat up Dana don't, I don't get anything. And unfortunately, I think Bailey is sort of caught in the wake of all of this nonsense where – She is special. I am, I am of the mind that if booked correctly and marketed correctly, she could be one of their big three, as far as an identity for the league, getting people to watch wrestling who do not watch it now, um, and to give her the title early, why why she wasn't winning that
0: title at WrestleMania is beyond me. Well,
1: I don't, I don't get any of
0: it. To rob to rob the, her of the specialness that she has by you know doing that and then doing it in a, somewhat of a tainted fashion, what?
1: Why uh, you, good old fashioned build of I'm chasing, I'm chasing, I'm chasing, and at WrestleMania I live the dream is beyond me and you know Stephanie McMahon kind of cutting her I guess ovaries off yeah like tainting the win Um, implying that there's something wrong with her for not we can debate all day about whether face or heel is a dynamic and most people seem to be of the mind nowadays that face and heel don't really have a place that it's gray area and blah 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 let me tell you it's, it's, if this will help people understand, if you don't want to think of it as face and heel, think of it like this. There's, a, there's supposed to be moral high ground and moral low ground. Don't think of it as face and heel. And Bailey is somebody who always needs to be presented as the moral high ground. Um, that's the crux of that gimmick that's the crux of what makes her special is she's the fan that took the high road in every way and has made it because of that. And for them to cast aspersions on that, for that, for them to surround her with friends that might not be friends. Again, it's just tainting up and making unseemly the person that absolutely shouldn't be that way. Um, and I hate it. Well, yeah, it. We, I mean,
0: you wanted to you wanted to have the moral high ground, but you also wanted to appear smart. In there, at points, they're making her look not so smart, and I really don't like that at all. Um, oh, I I'm, I think they're taking something. the
1: smartest they're, they're taking the smartest people in gimmick and making them look the dumbest. It's Kevin Owens. Who uh, above all things is supposed to be a crafty consummate player, and having him turn around because Jericho's <laughs> music plays and gets killed by Goldberg? <laughs> like uh, I'm not I'm okay with that. Finn, I'm okay with all of it except for can Kevin Owens not look stupid to fall for the one thing that they always do? This is my always this do. is me implor- This is me imploring the bookers of Georgia because I read show results and I see it all the time. Fuck your distraction finish. Um, I I even, and I I shouldn't say this, I'm going to say it anyway. I caught wind that they're thinking of doing that shit for Scenic City. No. No distraction finish bullshit. If you want your thing to be perceived as lesser, then by all means, distraction finish away. But... If it's if you want your thing to be perceived, does somebody get distracted during the Super Bowl? Does somebody exactly. get distracted? <laughs> like does a like, guy oh, get
0: distracted in a in a boxing match or an MMA fight? Do they just you know get distracted by something that's going on in the crowd or somebody from the other guy's corner yelling at them? I mean, I mean boxers.
1: I mean all think of the crazy things that have happened in combat sports. Guys parachuting into the no. ring. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, um, you know, or even in pro wrestling where there was like legitimate distraction, right? Like Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam are doing this ladder match and dude comes in and tries to push the ladder over. And I yeah. mean, it took yeah. them a little while to react because again, they're focused on what they're doing. And I mean, for Seth Rollins to be distracted because the opening strains of triple H's music play, I I'm, I think it is sort of part and parcel with the laziest booking era we've ever been in. I think that's where we are, where even ring of honor, I look at that show and I go, you know, they'll, they'll often have the same finishes. They'll have like three matches a show and sometimes they'll do the same finish for all three. And I just think to myself, you just, you just can't be, There's, there's rules. Let's talk about the rules. Um, I, you know, I've I've watched cards recently on raw and SmackDown and elsewhere where they put two tag matches back to back. There's a reason you don't do that. And the reason is because tag matches all have a very similar psychology to them, no matter how you try to dress them up, no matter how you try to change things. If the match is competitive tag matches all have the same psychology And so you don't want to put two gimmick matches because that's what tag matches essentially are at their, at their core. They are gimmick matches that we just happen to accept as a normal part of the thing, but you can't have two matches with identical psychology right next to each other. That's the real reason you don't do it. And I I mean, uh, you can't break these rules. They're there for a reason. And yeah, I see it in Georgia indie wrestling too, where it's like, why are we having the same finish for gimmick matches? You know, oh, let's do it. We're going to do a, a rough stoppage. And so then they'll do two rough stoppages on the same show or they'll do them on back to back shows. And I just I mean, I, I pull my hair out. It's attention to detail and being a little creative with the shit. Um, yeah. There's certainly ways yeah. to go about it. Are you excited? Okay, here's here's a question about WrestleMania. So two of the big matches that are coming up are Undertaker Roman Reigns, which they're building up in the way of like uh, they're basically making Roman Reigns the sort of indignant uh, new guy where he's like, this is my shit, and I'm going to be the one who retires the Undertaker. Um, where they're making strong choices. You know, we can debate about whether we like them or not, but at least they're making strong choices. And then you've got AJ Styles, who's going to be saddled with Shane McMahon for the match. What do you think about those two sort of headline matches for WrestleMania from the Raw and SmackDown brands? Well,
0: I don't much care for either one of them. I mean, (laughs) unless, unless Reigns comes out of the match full out heel, um, then okay, if he really if this if they, this really gets to him being an all-out heel and he really gets that heel run out of his system that he that they he desperately needs to do, great. Um, but Taker's got to look better than he did at that Rumble, or it's just going to be hard to watch. Um, I don't want to see that one, again.
1: Right. One thing that gives me hope about that is Roman Reigns. Kind of quietly, which is hard to imagine since he gets so much attention, but quietly has been the guy that's had good match after good match after good oh. match. Oh, and
0: no, yeah, no denying that. I mean, his match with Strowman was tremendous.
1: I thought Match I mean, with I thought Strowman, uh, I think you know the matches that he did with AJ Styles, the matches that he did. Yeah. And, and again, people will say, "Oh, this guy carried," but I mean, who's going to say that Strowman carried Roman Reigns? It's ludicrous. Right. And, and though, you know, strangely, Strowman has had good. Ma- I mean, the match against Big Show, I could care less about some Big Show, but Strowman had a great match against him. And um, yeah, I, I I think if if it's Roman pulling a good match out of The Undertaker. I, I mean, I'm just trying to get into their mindset. Is this, Is are they thinking that maybe Undertaker, um, unlike everybody else who they've tried to get to help Roman Reigns down to, I mean, in, up to and including The Rock trying to put his stamp on Roman Reigns. Do they think that Undertaker basically doing a, that was a great fight kid moment can help kind of push Roman reigns up a notch or two he um, he'll never win everybody over in this day and age. I don't know anybody who could honestly, but mm-hmm. maybe they think that he'll win over uh, a few more if the undertaker kind of puts his stamp on him. Cause even though undertaker doesn't have the streak anymore, I think it's safe to say that uh, undertaker is not passed a torch to anybody. Um, True. Whatever that means in the modern era. I don't think he's done a loss where it's supposed to really enhance the person that he's losing to. Um, Though, again, if he loses to Roman Reigns, are people going to be happy about that at all? I don't know. Um, Interesting. The Shane McMahon, AJ Styles thing, I hate it. I hate it for AJ who, I mean, how many WrestleManias does AJ Styles have at his, in his prime?
0: So he gets and, so he gets to work with Ellsworth and now he gets to work with Shane. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I guess they figure, hey, he 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 he, he did well with Ellsworth, That now we'll that will give him Shane. And Shane can do it's his like, whatever. It's like his buy, big spot is it's, it's
1: like buy year. it's like buying a Lamborghini and then moving to San Francisco.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like let me move to the place where I can't I can't utilize the best things about this car. Um, you know, whether, whether it's, it's ability to drive fast and it's like, Oh, now it's Hills and traffic or the ability to get women because San Francisco's the one place where a guy's like, not going to impress a woman with a car. And so like you've got AJ Styles who I gotta say, as far as, you know, promos and all that stuff, he looks more and more comfortable all the time. Um, and, and you know, as far as in ring, come on, you know, yeah, I, I like <laughs> the the match they had with Randy orton, so great, I mean, the moment where he sort of juked Orton into going for the r k o but again, it just shows how like all this stuff is being wasted, like I love the the what I'm talking about is he's gonna do the like the springboard forearm, and mm-hmm. so he he started to go for it. But he just, he, but he didn't follow through, and Orton jumps up to do the RKO, and then, and then Styles laughs at him. Styles is the first yeah. guy who sort of outsmarted Orton on the RKO. So then, what do they do? He goes for it anyway, and then gets caught in the RKO, yeah. like soon thereafter. Yeah. And again, it's just one of those where I just go, wow. it's they're wasting that mind, they're wasting that physical ability on Shane McMahon, and. What makes me sad, Larry, is most wrestling people will blithely excuse it, as they did with that Shane McMahon-Undertaker match last year, which went 30 minutes. And in its own way, I thought it did more harm to whatever credibility wrestling has left. Um, Having to watch Undertaker get his finishing move, you know, get a submission move that nobody had ever countered, countered by Shane McMahon... And then you know having to, having to sell those ridiculous punch people people worry about Goldberg hurting Lesnar and <laughs> Owen's career, but they don't worry about Shane people having to sell Shane McMahon punches and being outwitted by a gray-haired old man i mean it's
0: well it's I mean, very Steve, frustrating did, now that you've ripped up some of you know a good portion of uh WrestleMania, what 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 do you like about? It? Bits coming on WrestleMania. I'll tell
1: you, I think if it's done right, I still hold out hope that the Bailey thing will be amazing. I think, I think they have a chance to make Bailey the one of the three greatest feel good moments of that thing. I think if somebody had told me that I was looking forward to Bray Wyatt against Randy Orton, I'd have slapped them silly, but I'm looking forward to that match. And this is going to be a, this is a completely left field answer. Um, New day, which is who's sort of, I don't, I'm not saying they're swirling the drain. It's more like they're just sort of like holding serve. Like they don't know what they're doing with them, but I have a feeling that new day is going to do something big for WrestleMania um, and sort of establish just what their star power is. Um, you know, like when they keep saying, remember last year in WrestleMania, we had the big box of and blah, blah, blah. What are we going to do this year? You got to wait and see. And it's been a long time since any wrestler or group of wrestlers have had that appeal just based on gimmick alone of we're going to do something big for WrestleMania. Wait till you see what it is. Um, and I'm gonna add something else that's shocking that I'm gonna that I'm looking forward to in WrestleMania. Big Show Shaq. <laughs> um, well, I no, was.
0: I thought that that that's off now.
1: Is it off? Oh, that would make me sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that basically on, on, from recent stuff that uh, at mm. least, you know, and maybe this is a swerve, swervy stuff too. But that Shaq has said is that he doesn't believe it's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's too bad
1: because I got to say, Big Show versus Celebrity has provided some of the most surprisingly great and ridiculous moments in WrestleMania. The stuff with uh, Floyd Mayweather was as perfectly booked as you can have something like that be. And it actually established Mayweather as having a personality. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's wearing a diaper against Akebono, um, though, you know, I guess if if the Shaq thing doesn't happen, I'm interested if Braun Strowman is going to be in that battle royal and they're just going to let him fucking demolish everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm hoping mm-hmm.
1: that that's what they're doing. And if they do that. I will be, for the first time, I will actually be interested in that battle royal, too,
0: where it's like yeah, I mean, they,
1: they seem very keen on keeping that guy strong, even though they haven't had him take a loss. They seem very keen on Strowman being a big factor, probably the first challenger to whoever comes out the champ. And uh, that, I gotta say, that's interesting to me.
0: I'm him looking for Jericho Owens. I think that's gotta mm. be really that's got to be really strong
1: that's got to be cool. that's a classic show stealer for Wrestlemania isn't it like yeah. you know there's not a lot at stake as far as a title goes but there that it's the it's the one thing that's been sort of built properly and over a long period of time and exactly. two guys who seem very keen I, I think you know this is You know, Kevin Owens could have been the champ for as long as he wanted to be. I don't think that matters as much as this match for his career. I think this is the biggest match for his career because if him and Jericho steal it, I think Kevin Owens cements himself as a guy who's going to be around for a long time. I think if that match proves to be also ran or if it just doesn't deliver, I think that his stock drops immeasurably and he's no longer in the main event picture which is it's fun to have a match that has stakes on multiple levels because you really don't get that feeling nowadays about stuff, you know, where there really does. I I mean, like WrestleMania three to go way back, Savage Steamboat, that match was so important for the career of Randy Savage, because I think that match showed them like, oh my God, this guy can be this guy is like a main eventer. I don't think they perceived him that way. And I think that match showed them like, oh, my God, I think we can make this guy the champ, you know, <laughs> which, which meant a lot more back then than it does now. And um, it's fun to see matches where guys' careers can legitimately get boosted um, or not. You know, like, I mean, Seth Rollins, Triple H, you know Seth Rollins is going to come out of that thing, assuming he doesn't blow his knee out again. Um, you, you know, he's going to be in the main event picture for a long time to come, but I really think Kevin Owens, his career is sort of touch and go as far as main event goes. So, yeah, I think that's another great match.
0: And, of course, the real big drama is, well, Enzo and Cass finally get the tag titles, in that, in which it was now, of course, been predictably made into a three-way.
1: Yeah, yeah, with Cesaro and uh, I, I, yeah. Uh, somebody posed this question to me Whose tag division is worse? And I said, Well, of course, SmackDown's. And they went, Really? And they were arguing with me. And I was like, Oh, man. Um, but I think Enzo's one of those guys. Again, I think he's over, I think he's over even above and beyond what they're expecting. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll be interested to see if they let Enzo Bailey, you know, I, I'm interested in It's like, is Finn Balor going to do something? And what does that mean? Um, I'm hoping too. I got to say, I'm interested in whatever Joe's going to do. Um, there's sort of a sense of urgency with Joe that you can feel where they feel the need to, it's kind of like the same thing with like when Batista got going and they're like, you know, this guy's a little older. We need to, he needs to go, go, go now. And Joe has that kind of feeling to me
0: where it feels like. And that's where they're doing something really well is I thought, think their handling of Joe has been outstanding so far. mm -hmm. I mean, yeah they 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 get it and they're, they're doing a good job with him as they as they did with as they're doing with Stroman which is really they, nice They do a good, good job with, with the big I,
1: guys. It, it's 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 hard to screw up uh I win and don't lose <laughs> I mean, that's, that's wrestling's oldest, I kick, you know. Yeah, I kick ass, I, you
0: know. And, 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 I kick
1: ass, you know. <laughs> the, the proud tradition of the Road Warriors and Ultimate Warrior and Goldberg and in his own way Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And, uh, you know, I run over people and don't lose. Uh, I mean, even if you want to go to something crazy like, you know, Bryan Adams and WCW or a Wrath or, you know, just – That's a great shtick, which is, again, what shocks me about Nia Jax. I don't don't know why you would ever give that away. Um, You know, and certainly eventually you do, but you don't give it away gently. Um, Goldberg, Lesnar. What the hell are they going to do, Larry?
0: I mean, we're running low on time, but
1: what the hell are they going to do?
0: Well, I think Goldberg's actually going to wrestle a match. Uh, and 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 unless and is going to beat him, you know, it would I seem to make the him. most logical sense. Yeah, and I, then, I, I and can't then you see put... him doing anything else.
1: But oh, man, uh, you know, unless yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hey. It'll be nice to yes, please. No,
0: I'm just going to say, let's if we could cycle back to the local scene for just a minute before we uh, run Please. completely out of time here. Yeah, it is WrestleMania season, and it's been heartening to see the rise in attendance um, across a number of promotions during these last couple months. Peach State had yes. over 300 the last time. Southern Fried was up close to 200. We've already touched on what's going on in uh, Cornelia. You had that. Big crowd at Scenic City. It's really nice to see uh, everybody and I know I know uh, platinum is packing the building and now turning people away show after show. They're so, they're I mean, turning it's, people it's really away. Nice that
1: see. was that was the big discussion is like, God damn it, we have to keep turning people away. <laughs> so, um, it's yeah, that's it's very heartening, especially because you know, the stereotype is once summer hits everybody takes a hit. And, and goes down in attendance generally. So this is the time where you really want to see it. And yeah, promotions are doing really, really well. I, I, I think more than just size of the crowd. So that's the most obvious benefit and factor is the fact that so, though so many promotions seem viable financially, there isn't mm-hmm. this notion of, there isn't the, like the JD Costello effect where you have like shows that draw a ton of people but lose money no matter what like there doesn't seem to be that feel cuz a number of promotions honestly felt like they were snake bit for a while where they would sort of like have too inflated of a payroll and that kind of thing where people are doing a lot more with a lot less you know and and uh they're doing it with booking more than Hey, come see this guy. Come see that guy. I mean, that's kind of thing is always going to go on. And now that the Hardys are on the market, oh boy, are we going to get sick of seeing those guys? In <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, well, and
0: we're going to we're going to talk more about this in two weeks. But we have the reemergence. I would call it a reemergence of Wrestle America as yeah. a force with uh, Joey Mercury coming on board and them booking the most you know outrageous match of so far of 2017 Cody versus Jimmy Havoc coming up. Yeah. Cody Hall. Cody Rhodes. No, Cody. Oh, Cody Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Sorry. Cody Rhodes versus Jimmy Havoc in Barnesville of all places in coming up in April. We will have a representative from Wrestle America here on in two weeks to talk a little bit about what's going on in there along with probably, I believe we'll have another guest that night too. But yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see what all goes on down there. That's obviously with the, with the uh, with the dojo running, with Mercury uh, running the school down there. They've got a lot more going on than they've had in recent times here. Talk a little bit about
1: Havoc, Larry. I think I, you know, it's obviously everybody knows what Cody Rhodes is, but like,
0: tell us about Havoc a little bit. Well, I mean, he's he's from Progress. Well, that's where I first saw him was in Progress Wrestling in Great mm-hmm. Britain, and I think that's still where he would be considered most well known. And he's got character to burn, um, yeah. And that's 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 the thing about him. He's not he's not a big guy, but he's a really interesting, intriguing guy to watch. And a matchup with him and Cody Rhodes has got to be, you know, <laughs> it, it it definitely uh, sparks the imagination about what what could take place there. So uh, yes, yeah, I, I mean, I, when I have think... we ever had a, a British star come to Georgia? Um, right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, other than. Uh, um, uh, Martin Stone but as far as uh, who yeah so it's gonna be interesting
1: it will be it will be and hopefully Cody Rhodes he's one of those guys that I always feel like I think does things as if he has something to prove still and that can be a good thing or a bad thing and TNA it's been both I think at times like you know his his ability to sort of not big league people, but he is like a bonafide star. So now they're doing the, he's the American nightmare and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it kind of comes across oddly, but he's also one of those guys that I think there's a reason places like pro wrestling gorilla bring him in and things like that is there is an expectation that he can deliver in the ring and sort of, if he can kind of line up, get all his ducks in a row and sort of line up, I'm a son of a legend. I've done my time in the big leagues, and I'm still looking to prove myself. I think there's a lot there that's very, very interesting. And like you said, for that match to happen in Barnesville, of all places, is so weird. I will be curious. I'm I'm assuming you're going to go to that show. I will be curious to see how
0: that crowd takes that match. Well, you know there's going to be a uh, strong representation from the ADA. A- AWE fans at that to see that matchup so there's going to be that uh, definitely they're going to get a group of different fans down to barnesville for that one but uh yeah that's that will be um i definitely plan to be there no no doubt about that great well and just two weeks, now let's like just keep said, keep cody's wife out of the ring that's all we got to do there <laughs> It's such
1: a damn shame because she's such a looker, too. I know. She's a good-looking woman.
0: Yeah, and, um, don't wrestle.
1: Yeah, don't wrestle, don't talk. I mean, God, how many women have I thought that about? Anyway, in two, <laughs> weeks, oh, boy. In two weeks, we're going to have a representative from Wrestle America here to talk to us about that intriguing matchup and another guest as well. And uh, again, you know, uh, our condolences to the fans and friends yeah. and family of Ron Bass, the outlaw Ron Bass. Um, you know, I think I'm going to definitely try to have a, um, a promo by old Ron Bass uh, next tipping point. Well, for, um, for Larry Goodman and myself, Stephen Platinum uh, definitely get out to the matches guys. And we will see you in two weeks for the tipping point.
2: Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.